0: The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. On today's episode,
1: Taylor Rickroad is a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and a certified intuitive eating counselor at St. Jude Wellness Center. She specializes in mindful and intuitive eating, women's hormone health, and gut health. She believes shared meals have an incredible ability to connect and heal people. Her mission is to help clients reduce stress and guilt around food by restoring trust in their bodies and putting the joy back into eating. And we welcome Taylor to the Mother's Market Podcast. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me today.
1: You are coming in at the perfect time of year to uh, as we, we start the new year off, but also just something that we can adhere to our eating habits men, women, children, everybody, and I love it. I can't wait to to interview you. Why don't you fill our audience in a little bit on your mission and your work at St. Jude's?
0: Yeah, so I primarily work in, you could say I'm an anti-diet dietitian, and a lot of people don't know what that means, but there's a lot of research showing that, you know, highly restrictive diets, meaning low calorie, um, low carbohydrate tends to be pretty popular. There's a lot of research showing that long-term it really doesn't help people's health and I have really kind of taken a different approach and a different perspective to helping people heal and I really approach healing as a journey so um we look at psychological aspects of course we look at physical aspects and um so yeah I really try not to deprive my clients and January is the time that I see a ton of people come in they all feel guilty about indulging in December and um, we really try to work on some of that guilt and shame.
1: I love it. And I, again, it's something I, I love that it's the anti, you mm-hmm. know, the restrictive diet. So I can't wait to hear about it. We're talking about mindful eating in this new year coming up. So Taylor, so often in the new year, everyone wants to improve their health. Just like you said, lose weight. What do you think about that? And what is your um, area of expertise in helping yeah, us?
0: well, So mindful eating basically is a journey and a process in which you fully tune in to your body and your senses while you're eating. So it means, you know, taking the time to enjoy and savor your food slowly with the whole purpose of really increasing your satisfaction. And there's so many, you know, psychological needs that aren't met, that tend to come out with our eating. And the more patients that I see, the more I realize, you know, there's a lot of unmet needs that um, really, well, I like to tell stories about my patients, if that's okay. So I um, I had a patient not too long ago who went through a really stressful season. And um, rather than working on a lot of her emotions and um, needs that needed to be met she got in the habit of drinking almost a bottle of wine a night and then going through you know half a roll of cookie dough at night and that's not to say that eating cookies is bad or you know drinking wine is bad but she was doing it as a soothing mechanism and you know food can be that sometimes food can be really soothing but if it's replacing your emotional coping mechanisms—that's where it can become a problem. And so, I tend to see a lot of, um, you know, high cholesterol and pre-diabetes and high blood pressure as a result of, you know, emotionally eating in this way.
1: Which is, I think, even talking about it and putting those two and two together, and, and making sure that, as you say, it's mindful. And I think that's going to be a huge um, thing for us all to to wrap our heads around in this new year. Uh, What would be an alternative to your style of mindful eating habits?
0: So I'm teaching a class in a couple of weeks, but every time um, I have a new class, basically, I start with a self-care assessment. And there's typically five different sections that we look at. So we look at physical self-care. We look at psychological self-care, emotional, spiritual, and then professional self-care. And they go through the list and they basically rate um, on a scale of one to five how well they're doing with each of those sections. So for example, with the physical self-care, you know, we all know it's important to exercise and eat well, but there's some other items on there like making time away from your telephones and getting enough sleep and wearing clothes that you like. And so by first establishing where you're at with meeting your needs, I think is a really important part of mindful eating because like I said, if you're not fulfilling what your needs and desires are, typically it always comes out through food and people, you know, their first approach basically to improving their health is basically starting a diet because they think, oh, well, I just, you know, I don't know how to eat. I don't know what's wrong with me. This is my fault. And unfortunately, with restrictive diets, people do tend to lose weight quickly. Um, But, you know, when they go back to their normal way of eating, there hasn't been any, you know, things that they've resolved with how they've eaten. Um, So I had a a patient not too long ago, he was a retired firefighter and he, his main goal was to lose weight. But the more I kind of dug into his story, the more I realized that he had for maybe 30 or 40 years been engaging in a way of eating in which he hardly tasted his food. And hmm. if the more we looked into that he so he was he would be on call, three days at a time for his job. And you know, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, they would eat together. Someone would cook the meals, and basically, if they got a call, when they were eating their meal, they had to leave without eating. And so he developed a manner of eating in which he would engulf his food, you know, within probably less than five minutes, um, so that it would ensure that he at the next call, he didn't leave with an empty stomach. And so, um, he had really learned to overlook his satiety factor. Um, you know, he, like I said, he had continued this eating pattern, um, after he retired. So three days, uh, three times a day, he would eat his food as fast as he could. And he had really never changed those habits. So rather than, you know, sending him on his way with a highly restrictive diet. We really worked hard on slowing him down, making him recognize he didn't have that threat of, um, you know, having to leave right away anymore Mm. because he was retired and um, it took quite a while. So like I said, healing is a journey, Um, but lo and behold, he was able to lose a good amount of weight and improve his blood pressure, his blood sugar without, um, just focusing on restricting his
1: food. You know, and I love your client stories just because, you know, we can all see ourselves in yeah. other stories. So we yeah. appreciate you, you sharing that. And, uh, and so interesting because yeah, firefighters get up and go. And, and right. so we don't realize again, that mindful part of it, that, that is all contributes to the way our health and, and diet is what, um, Can you just go back a second and just talk about what is mindful eating?
0: Yeah, so that's a great question. So I can kind of take you through what I would do with my students. Um, Typically, we would start with the needs assessment that I mentioned, but then we'd also go through what is physical hunger versus emotional hunger? So physical hunger, it's something you usually feel in your stomach. Hunger kind of comes on gradually. So people typically get hungry anywhere between three to five hours after their last meal or snack. Typically, it can be satisfied with a lot of different foods and you tend to stop when you're satisfied. Um, And it's also it it tends to be a joyful experience. So, um, you know, with my patients who have gone through so many diets that really the joy has just been taken out of the experience because they have trained themselves to be like a robot, you know, and and really not enjoy their food. They don't take the time to share their food, share a meal with someone else, and um, you know. So they've had to kind of shut down a lot of these um, positive and joyful things. Now, if we take a look at emotional hunger, this is typically brought on, and it you feel it more in your emotions. So you might feel anxious or panic. Um, so this kind of hunger typically hits you quickly and it feels really urgent. And a lot of times you crave specific items. So, you know, potato chips, things that are salty, things that are sweet, things that tend to, you know, have a crunchy texture. Um, you don't tend to stop when you're full. And, um, it's often followed by feelings of, you know, regret and shame and, you feel badly about the experience. And so awareness is the first step. Okay. Is this physical hunger? Is this emotional hunger? And we try to discern at what points during the day you might be having these triggers. And I'll never forget. I had a patient quite a while ago who she worked a stressful job and, you know, she probably worked anywhere between eight and 10 hours a day. So she would come in, she would do her work. She would take very little time for lunch and she probably didn't eat enough. And then in the afternoon, she, um, probably didn't have a snack. And so by the time she left at five or 6 PM, she was super hungry. So the first thing that she did was she would drive to the grocery store and she would walk in and she would get a six pack of beer and she would get a big tub of those warm mashed potatoes and she would take it home. And she would basically sit on her couch eat the tub of mashed potatoes, drink the beer. And I mean, she obviously felt better eventually because (laughs) both of those things are, can be very soothing and the alcohol kind of took the edge off and, you know, the carbs and the salt and the potatoes made her feel satisfied. And so the first step with her was to really, um, she was very feeling very guilty about the, the weight, um, that she had gained. And so the first thing we did was really having her check into her emotions. So um, she was working really hard. She didn't eat enough during the day. She really didn't get any outside time during the day. Um, and she didn't really have any other coping skills for you know the stress of a work day. So what we worked on was making sure that she ate you know, lunch with protein, um, you know, maybe some whole grains that would help her blood sugar, um, not dip so low in the afternoon. And then we worked on her having a snack at 3 or 4 p.m. And then we worked on helping her develop some coping mechanisms for soothing herself when she got home. So she decided, you know, maybe a bath would be really soothing. Um maybe going for a walk with a neighbor or a family member at the end of the day outside would be really soothing. And little by little, we had to work for quite a while. She kind of got out of that habit of that just emotional binge at the end of the day. Um, And like I said, we didn't have to do anything highly restrictive. If anything, we gave her permission to have emotions as a human being. You know, She wasn't, I tell all my patients, you're not robots. You have needs that need to be filled. And you can't expect, you know, yourself not to, if you don't fulfill them, you're going to have, it's going to come out in other ways.
1: And that's great advice. And I love that, again, that example, that story that we, you know, and I, I, that you're helping just kind of pivot a little bit off of the bad habits and into new good habits and being mindful. What um, are some of the benefits of mindful eating?
0: Yeah, well, typically my patients, um, like I said, it's a long journey and there tends to be a lot less, um, shame and guilt. So the other thing I tend to work on with them is identifying any messages that they may have received either early in life or maybe during, um, periods of young adulthood that may have told them that their body was not to our culture's ideal standards. Um, you know, or they you know, they didn't look the way that our diet culture tells them to look. So we have to kind of dig deep and see if there's any shame or guilt there. Because the minute we start changing that perspective um, Mm. and developing a a more positive relationship with their body, a lot of these um, issues tend to kind of also be improved. So some of the benefits that I see with um, mindful eating, like I said, better a body relationship, but then also a wide range of physical improvements. So a lot of times lower blood pressure, you know, if you're eating slower, if you're not feeling so rushed, if you feel more relaxed, you actually digest your food much better. Um, blood sugar tends to be improved. Um, even cholesterol and, you know, cardiovascular, um, type things like that tend to be much, much better. So um, the problem is we, I'm always competing with the diet industry. And so, you know, most people do want to kind of just what they think is just fix their health in a matter of, you know, one to four months. And um, they they don't really want to dig in. They don't really want to do the work because a lot of times they're scared to find you know there's some unreconciled mm-hmm. feelings in there that you know they've never dealt with and a lot of times there are things that come up you know maybe trauma or um, relationship issues that they've been putting on the back burner for 10 20 30 years and that can get tough so a lot of times when i'm having my patients go through this transformation i also tell them look you need to also be a therapist. So you can work through a lot of these um, things that, you know, you probably haven't worked through. But the funny thing is the body never lies, right? <laughs> so if you have high blood pressure, um, a lot of times it's not just purely physical. There's a lot of psychological things that are going on that need to be dealt with as well.
1: That's also a really good point. And it kind of led, leads me to the next point, which you really have talked about, but the reason when and why people tend to eat or drink mindlessly, and you've given a few examples. um, And I think it's, you know, that tie into the psychological part of that, I think is so important and not, I don't think every, and I, you know, you say dietitian, but mindful eating expert, um, you know, that you, that's great that you're calling attention to what we're dealing with on a psychological point. Can you take us through your journey of working with your clients and how does it really work when you set them down in the beginning?
0: Yeah, so that's a great question. So like I mentioned, um, I like to tell my patients from the beginning, if you are on a true path to wellness and healing, you're going to have multiple teachers and you're going to need to also seek out the information yourself. And so Mm -hmm. I really try to put them in the driver's seat of what they want, um, you know, the benefits to be, what what they want to get out of it. And the more I do that, and the less I, you know, just give them a diet plan with this is what you should do, this is what you should eat, the more they're able to really sustain themselves long term. And so a lot of times I'll actually sit with them with a piece of food between us. And um, would you mind if I went through a little bit of a meditative eating session?
1: No, go go for it. I love this. Thank you.
0: So the first thing that we do is I have them place their hands on their stomach and close their eyes. And they're gonna engage in some deep belly breathing for about five to 10 breaths. And actually the the process of doing this primes your body for digestion. So um, it helps to kind of slow down, it lowers your cortisol, it lowers your adrenaline. And I say this practice is designed for you to eat intentionally that you may truly savor your food. And this focused attention helps us cultivate pleasure, satisfaction, and gratitude. So find a comfortable place to sit, make sure it's away from screens, especially because there is a lot of research on um, when you're eating distractedly in front of a screen, Uh, we tend to eat 30% more calories. So if you're aware of that, you know, and you're not kind of disengaged from your food, um, you're more likely to feel satisfied. So you would close your eyes, like I mentioned, place both hands on your stomach, take a breath in, expanding your belly into your hands. And as you're taking these belly breaths, your vagus nerve is being stimulated, which can lower your body's stress and make you feel more relaxed. And as you're tuning in, you may discover how hungry or how not hungry you're feeling. With awareness in this moment, notice any thoughts, sensations, or emotions that you're experiencing. Now they take a look at the hunger scale in front of them. Read through the descriptions and get a feeling for where you're at physically. Determining where you're at might be helpful for figuring out how much food you need to eat. To feel satisfied. If you are going to eat or drink something right now, what is your body hungry for? What is it thirsty for? Just pay attention and notice with awareness the sensations that give you this information. Now bring your attention to the food in front of you and imagine that you are seeing it for the first time. Observe with curiosity as you pay attention and notice the color, shape, texture and size. Imagine what it took for this item to get into your hands. The sunshine, the water, the time, the processing, the shipping. You may choose to be aware of the gratitude for everyone involved in the cultivation and preparation of this food. And you may choose to bring in your own gratitude or spiritual blessing. Now place the item between your fingers and feel the texture, the temperature, any smoothness or stickiness. And again, you can notice if you have any thoughts, sensations or emotions at this time. Continue to breathe deeply and be fully present in this moment. Now you can bring the piece of food towards your nose and smell it. Notice if you have any memories or sensations or reactions in your body. And even before you eat it, you may notice that you begin to have a digestive response in your body. Now place the food into your mouth without chewing or swallowing it. Just allow it to be in your mouth, roll it around to different parts of your mouth and your tongue. Take a bite and notice the flavor, any change in texture. And then very slowly begin to chew this piece of food and notice the parts of your mouth that are involved in the chewing. And when you're ready, go ahead and swallow and notice the path it takes from your mouth and your throat into your stomach. Notice any taste that may linger in your mouth. And again, connect your body and your breath and notice your experience in the moment. So this is kind of just an intro, like I mentioned to the process. I will say I have my students um, do uh, a little, a little bit of um, mindful eating, and so many of them um, feel like it is so weird. I'll tell you that. Like most people, <laughs> don't have never done this, have never just sat and tasted their food, and it feels totally foreign to them. <laughs>
1: You know what, though? I like listening to you and in, in this little trance, you know, to think about how grateful we are. And then also to think about where the food, like, who's placed hands on the food. It does really slow the process down. Right. And I think it, it is a good psychological uh, meditation to really, um, yeah, bring us some peace while we're eating. too. I, I, I love hope so. That. Yeah.
0: And you know what? Eating together should be one of the most joyful experiences of your day. And yeah. um, the, the the patients that I typically have come in somewhere along the way that joy has been lost because diet culture has told them to, you know, not eat anything that tastes good. And it, it's hard to repair that, but it is absolutely doable.
1: Yeah, that's good. I love that you're changing it around. Maybe we can go backward from all the fast food drive throughs yeah. and everything <laughs> yeah. and where you actually sit down around the table again and enjoy yeah. food and eating. Uh, this is great information, Taylor. We're going to have to take a quick break, but stay with us more in just a moment. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Mother's Market podcast. And we want to remind you that if you missed any portion of today's show, you can find us on iTunes by searching Mother's Market or download the show from our website, mothersmarket.com. Click the link for podcast and listen to past shows. Plus download our healthy recipes and money savings coupons, all available at mothersmarket.com. And now back to our interview with Taylor Rick Road, a registered dietitian and nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counselor at the St. Jude Wellness Center. I love your title and I love what you're doing, Taylor. So as we, yeah, as we head back into this uh, section of the interview, do you have any tools for patients when they're wanting to change their state of mind and avoid emotional eating?
0: Absolutely. So um, that is not the time, like I said before, to really restrict your eating. And put yourself into diet mode. So, if you really want to change your state of mind, awareness is always the first step. So, recognizing that you're having moments of distress, and typically with overeating or undereating, emotional distress is 95% of the issue. And so, there's a few things that you can do. Obviously, meditation has become so much more popular. Um, If you're new to meditation, there's some great guided meditations on YouTube that you can kind of just follow along with, but it, it basically has you become present to the, to the moment and to your emotions. And rather than stuffing down the emotion or judging yourself for your emotions, it means acknowledging the emotion, figuring out what you need to do to be okay with that emotion, and then how you're going to move forward from it. So Another thing that I have started doing this year for just mindfulness overall and um, changing your state of mind is breath work. Have you heard anything about breath work before?
1: In some areas, I think, I mean, I have two kids, so especially breathing, you know, when you're when you're in labor and all of that. But I, I think just at times when you're stressed out and it's like all of a sudden you just hearken back, breathe. Oh. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, we. I, it's so funny that you mentioned your kids because there was a, I think there was a Sesame Street video from a while back that's saying about belly breathing for kids to kind of help them calm down. Um, there's also a lot of different. Um, there's a pranayama type of breathing, which is a breathing in through the mouth and then out the mouth to kind of help um, change your state of consciousness. That can be really Ooh. helpful for stress. So there's a lot of, and then you know I tell my patients all the time you don't necessarily have to punish yourself with exercise. If you're dealing with some very challenging emotions, I tell them walk and talk it out, which means talk to someone that you trust, that you can kind of get these emotions out, and then also walk it out. If you are you know, in emotional distress, you probably have high adrenaline, high cortisol, walking and talking about it is a great way to really um, work on that stress.
1: I love that. Talk a little, you mentioned um, overeating and undereating with that emotional distress. What, what about eating disorders? Is that kind of what you're getting yeah. to?
0: Um, so I have an aunt actually that um, specializes in eating disorders. And so I got to shadow her when I was in college and I'll never forget. We um, I was in a couple of sessions with her and I um, couple of the young girls that had the eating disorders I think one of them was dealing with the divorce in her family so you know major personal turmoil and so she basically stopped eating as a result of the stress and then you know other difficult family situations so my whole point with saying that is it's never about the food it's about the emotional distress and a lot of times like I mentioned with heavy emotional distress, there's either over overeating or undereating. And so rather than just focusing on the food, that's why I approach my clients from a very well-rounded and holistic perspective of like, let's see what's under this. What is, what is beneath this? So yeah, for eating disorders, um, mindful eating can be very important so that they can bring themselves back into their bodies from a physical perspective. So they can, you know, look at their hunger cues. How does it feel to eat this food and to be satisfied? And can we keep working on that emotional distress while also nourishing yourself?
1: That's great. Um, And I think, yeah, the organic way that you go about it and the genuine way to really bring people that mindful um, really kind of cuts out on all of the the medication people are, you know, being, yeah. So I love that. Are there any no-no's when it comes to mindful eating?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. The only no-no's I can think of involve shaming yourself or guilting Mm. yourself if you feel like you're not doing this correctly. There's no correct way to do it. Um, I'll say it again. It's a journey and you're going to be learning some new things. And if so, a lot of times in January, I have my patients coming to me saying how, you know, guilty they were for indulging in, you know, December with their parties and the food and the cookies and the desserts. And it's like, well, did you have fun? <laughs> and, um, usually they'll say, yeah. And I'm like, well, that's great. You know, like why, why the need to feel guilty or shameful about it? But I'll tell you that comes from diet culture and mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with diet culture, but diet culture basically says there is a high moralistic value placed on thinness and restriction of food. And it has damaged a lot of people's relationships with their bodies and with Mm. eating. And it's something that I will continue to really tell people about that. All of this stuff, you know, diet culture is not true. It's meant to sell you something. It's meant to sell you a lifestyle and feelings that um, are not true and they're not valid. And so a lot of times we have to work through that too.
1: Hmm. And, and thank you for talking about that. Once again, it's true. Like, you know, just going back and, and how we do body shame and, you know, I love that you've said, well, did you have fun? You know, that's what it's all about. It and sometimes it just talks. You, you bringing that out and thinking that just changes perspective and i and thank you for doing that i love that (laughs) what about uh doing a body scan and looking at all of the weight and then the fat and all of that i'm always afraid when i hear the word body scan
0: (laughs) i can understand that yeah typically when people hear the word body scan they feel like they are going to be judged for muscle tone and for fat and like i said diet culture will make you feel like that but actually um a body scan from a psychological perspective means paying attention to all parts of your body. And so doing a body scan, you could start with your head. How does your head feel? Do you have a headache? Work your way down to your neck. Do you, do you have tension in your neck and your shoulders? If there's tension there, ask yourself, what's going on? You know, why do I feel tense? And a lot of people do have to confront some very fear-based thinking patterns that they have in their head. And um, that's not easy either, but that is part of growth, you know? And if you keep going down, you know, how does your chest feel? Are you breathing? How does your stomach feel? Are you hungry? Are you full Um, you know, how, how does your legs feel? How do your feet feel? So really it's just taking a scan from head to toe about what's going on in your body and what you're feeling.
1: Thank you. Are there other health practices that you can do mindfully?
0: Absolutely. I, um, tend to be a huge advocate for exercising mindfully because most people think they have to punish themselves when it comes to exercise or do a really structured, you know, type of class and really exercise is not about that. Um, I really recommend bringing the joy back into moving your body, whether it's walking or dance or yoga or just being in nature. Um, there's so many things we can do with our bodies and have gratitude for our bodies that we can do, you know, these kinds of activities without, Punishing yourself by going to, you know, maybe a boot camp five days a week that you hate. You know, some people love right. boot camps, but if you hate boot camps, then find something else. And so the mindful perspective in that is figuring out what brings, you know, what brings you joy.
1: You know, that's funny that you said that because I just recently got into reform Pilates oh, yeah. and I, I love to hike, I love the cardio part of it. But the Pilates, and maybe it's because of my age, I don't know, but I love it because you're Wonderful. stretching all your muscles and, and it just kind of wakens everything. So yeah, yeah I, I love it. If it yeah. brings joy to you, then continue. Good. So that's I have great. a
0: lot of patients that tend to really love Pilates too. So if that speaks to you, absolutely do that.
1: Awesome. Um, so what does it mean to be in alignment?
0: Ooh, that's a great question as well. <clears throat> Being in alignment basically means you are living an intentional life that promotes your personal values. So you mentioned loving hiking Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of people who love hiking, it's, you know, mostly about being in the outdoors and the fresh air. And I'll never forget. I had a patient who came in for weight gain Mm. and the deeper we looked, you know, there were some depression issues going on. And when we were trying to figure out, well, what of your needs haven't been met. He said that he, you know, worked in an office nine to five Monday through Friday, like, you know, a majority of Americans do. And then on the weekends, he was pretty tired. So he he would tend to kind of sit in front of the TV and, you know, just watch shows to kind of decompress. So when we kind of went over that, he realized his need of nature was not being met whatsoever. Mm. So then he would engage in some overeating and emotional eating on the weekends to kind of deal with the loss of, you know, exactly that. Yeah. All about the balance. It Mm -hmm. really is, you know,
1: and that's, and again, being mindful to think, what am I missing out on? You know, you're not going to get it. From just watching Netflix twenty four seven or whatever, that can't be your only way to right. to relax. So I love that. Um, so is it okay to practice mindful eating and still want to lose weight? I hope you're going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> just asking for a friend, right? Yeah, right, for
0: a friend. There's nothing wrong with weight loss. Um, I I think weight loss can be a wonderful side effect of improving your health. If it's your only Goal then there, there tends to be a lot of, um, things that you miss out on, uh, from a physical perspective. Um, you know, with my patients, I, I love integrative nutrition. So thinking about foods that can really promote healing, um, and supplements, you know, have a great place in healing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all part of, it's all part of that. So, you know, a lot of times when inflammation is decreased, Patients do lose weight, but they lose it the way that it's sustainable, which I will say it does tend to be slower. And, um, but it tends to be permanent because you're making permanent lifestyle changes. And if you want to just do a low calorie weight loss, that's fine. But just know that they are, your body is designed to keep you safe. So when you lose all that weight, your metabolism is going to say, ooh, you know what, we have experienced low calories for a long time. When you go back to eating higher calories, we're going to make sure that we really hold on to it as much as possible. So my patients tend to think it's their fault for gaining weight after a diet, when in reality, it's just what our bodies were designed to do after experiencing a period of, you know, low calories.
1: And I love that part too. uh, That is the anti-diet, you know, our thought process where it might be a slower weight loss, uh, but it's sustainable. And I think you just don't hear that enough in today's society. Well, it doesn't make
0: as much money, I'll tell you. Exactly, exactly.
1: exactly. (laughs) The
0: weight loss industry is a billion dollar industry. And I don't see that changing anytime soon because it does make so much money. So yeah, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and when people are ready for, you know, that permanent change, I will be here and um, I'm
1: going to get your cell phone number after this. No, that I'm just kidding.
0: Awesome. <laughs> You're yeah. like, hey, Taylor. Yeah. I know, right?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. would well, do you have any recommendations for further reading or research?
0: Oh, yes. Um, so kind of exploring a little bit more of the intuitive eating side of things, um, So Evelyn Triboli is a registered dietitian. She is the author of a book called Intuitive Eating, which has been around, I want to say, for over 20 years. So it's um, Mm. basically a a health approach, a non-diet health approach. And um, she is on Instagram under Evelyn Triboli. And then there's another book called Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison. And she has a podcast called Food Psych. And she really helps to kind of um, give the readers perspective and a lot of information about diet culture and you know how it's meant to kind of um, make you always feel less than. And um, it's like I said, it's by design. And she confronts a lot of um, those issues in our culture, especially with women and and our bodies. You know, there's women's bodies get so scrutinized and attacked and um, I you know it's time to kind of have a new perspective about that
1: I love that and I could probably do we could do another show with you about women's bodies and hormone health like all of the stages that we go through so again expect a call from us after this and we'll set it up okay (laughs) (laughs) Taylor this was great such wonderful information great advice and we really appreciate your knowledge and look forward to having you back on again But if you want to get more information on Taylor, the website is stjudewellnesscenter.org. And it's just S-T as far as stjudewellnesscenter.org. And we look forward to your next visit. Thank you so much.
0: Wonderful. Thank you for having me.
1: If you want to learn more health information, check out mothersmarket.com. Get delicious recipes and health guidelines to keep your body in great shape.